Welcome to Stand Out in ELT. I'm Ola Kowalska and I'm the host of this extraordinary podcast. I wanted to bring you a platform where you hear from myself and other amazing and inspiring people who have created their success and stand out in ELT. People say that English language teaching is a saturated market, so it's absolutely crucial that you know how to stand out. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I'm going to inspire you to take action. So, welcome to this space. And I can't wait for you to stand out and build your legacy in ELT. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Stand Out in ELT. Super happy to have you here again. And... Again, I've got a very special guest here with me today, another ELT coach, business coach, mindset coach, Rachel Roberts. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Ola. It's really nice to be here with you today. Yeah, thank you so much for accepting my invitation. Really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, no, me too. Well, we've we've had a few chats before, haven't we? And we've always got plenty to talk about. So I'm really excited about this. I know, me too. The The first one was we talked about limiting beliefs, didn't we, on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. It was such a juicy chat and I felt that people really got out of it a lot. So definitely, hopefully this time as well. Perfect. All right. So Rachel, could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are? We sort of work with theoretically similar people, but not really, right? <laughs> so, well, I mean, I've I've been in ELT for 30 years now, um, okay. and I've been a teacher in different contexts in the UK and abroad, private sector, public sector, teacher, trainer, manager, materials writer. So, you know, I, I kind of know the business very well. And um, over that time, obviously, I've, you know, been involved in quite a lot of mentoring. um, And I trained about 20 years ago, and I actually trained as a counsellor and psychotherapist. Um, But I didn't ever kind of do anything with that other than use it in in my career, you know, as a manager, as a teacher trainer, and so on. And then about five years ago, I kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment, and realised that I wanted to help people more directly. Mm. Um, so now, as you say, you know, I work as a, a business and mindset coach specifically with ELT professionals, um, helping them, you know, with the practical stuff, um, you know, how to market their business, how to find their niche, but also very much the mindset stuff, which I think holds us back just as much as not knowing Absolutely. what we're doing with the business mm. stuff. Mm. Definitely. I experience it every day with my clients as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and that's very interesting that you kind of felt the need to, I don't know if you agree with me, but I always felt the need to, I haven't been in the uh, industry for 30 years, it's only been 12, <laughs> but still, I felt the need to kind of give back to the same mm-hmm. people, to that tribe of people, because I know they have similar problems, challenges. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's probably education in general, but yeah. I suspect ELT even more so that there is a real culture of self-sacrifice and putting up with things and not really expecting very much, you know. And of course, it's, you know, it's good to do things for other people. We all like doing that. But 
when you're right at the very bottom of the list, that's not good and not sustainable. And, you know, one of the reasons I did the counselling and psychotherapy training was because of my own experience, you know, early in my career, I ended up burning out twice, Mm. um, you know, through that combination of like over delivering and perfectionism, I would Mm. say. Um, and I am really passionate, I think, about helping people to, you know, value themselves more, to uh, look after themselves more, you know, and to treat themselves as the precious resource that they are. Absolutely. Because that's that's the case. It's like I've recently seen this, um, I don't know, post or something that said invest in yourself. And by investing people, they didn't even only mean investing in terms of professional development, because I feel that all teachers do that anyway, mm-hmm. but investing in themselves, in self-care, in looking after their, you know, well-being, mm. taking breaks, not taking on too much. That's such a such a massive thing, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. And if you, you know, if you run your own business and you're a teacher, you are essential to that business. You know, it could, it's not going to run without you if you're ill or, you know, whatever. So you really do have to, you know, not just from a from the point of view of, you know, everybody needs to look after themselves, but you're the biggest asset in that business. The only exactly. asset, really. The only one. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Without you, it can't even exist. Mm. Right. I always feel, I don't know, um, it, it, it kind of always been the case of comparing it a little bit. The role of an educator and a giver. I think that's that's like a term. I've heard it recently. Mm. Maybe I read it in a book or something, but some sort of a giver um, mm. constantly to being a mother as well. And I mm. notice in, in women particularly that we tend to over deliver, put mm. others first um, and only then at the very end, look after ourselves, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's fine with your kids because, you know, they need you to do that for them. But we don't necessarily have to do that for everybody, you know, that we meet. Um, and we can't, you know, there's only so much, isn't there, that we can, no. that we can there do. There should always be some balance, right? Yeah. As much as kids need, uh, need us, I feel like there can be balance in, mm-hmm. um, like, and if there isn't, we should challenge certain mm-hmm. stereotypical um, expectations of women. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, how is it going to change? Yeah. yeah, no. And I agree. I think, it, you know, it is a it is a feminist issue, actually, mm, uh, may not be, you know, a fashionable term, but that is what it's about, you know, that society still has these expectations of women that we have taken inside, if you like. And um, it's not the same for men. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, there aren't men who over deliver and who Um, don't look after them you know there are and perhaps Mm. more within ELT because they're drawn to that kind of caring profession Mm. but it is you know it is generally something I think that women have harder Mm, because if if Mm. they start saying no to things they're more likely to be seen as being aggressive whereas with a man he's just being decisive you know it's all this kind of thing all that kind of thing absolutely and I've experienced that as well but Luckily, I don't know if I've always been an assertive person or I don't know, just there was always something that um, told me not to put up with it. (laughs) So I always like to inspire people to just to just be firm with their boundaries, because it's Mm -hmm. so important. Um, Even if it's just in a job before you 
become a freelancer or before you run your own business. It's still it's still important. But I feel that there is a specific sort of mindset that employees have as well. And then mm-hmm. that whole thing needs to change before you even become a successful freelancer or entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, I think there's often a a sort of a bit of a misunderstanding about, you know, what firm boundaries mean. Uh, You know, people sometimes interpret that as being very bolshy and again, you know, aggressive and, oh, you know, and actually you shouldn't need to do any of that if your boundaries are firm in the first place, you know, so it's about letting people know what is and is not okay, Mm. so that you don't have to put your foot down all the time and, and get cross and you know because people just know Mm, exactly exactly but sometimes it's a bit too late right yeah (laughs) if you've let people think that you know you're this person who always who will always give who will always accommodate who will always Mm -hmm. you know be the one to sacrifice their own um, Mm -hmm. time freedom whatever money even Mm -hmm. I have those conversations with my clients all the time one of my clients, she's recently wanted to raise prices, which, you know, it was a bit controversial, in her opinion, especially, mm-hmm. because it's it's literally in the middle of the school year. She works with school children mainly, or school teenagers, mm-hmm. let's say. And she said that one of the arguments she heard was like, oh, you should have done it at the beginning of September when the school year happened. But I'm like, it's, it's her business. So it's mm-hmm. really up to her. Then another argument she heard, but um, what kind of costs, what kind of additional costs in your business do you have that you're raising your prices? I mean, you shouldn't have to explain any of that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's also her own self-sabotage of, um, of being very scared of that decision, which, yeah. again, very common, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, extremely common you know and it has to be said I think again going back to the culture of ELT Mm. you know you will come up against other people who also have these kind of money blocks Mm. who will be projecting their own fears onto you and we'll kind of go oh I don't know if you should do that and you know all of this kind of thing so you have you have to surround yourself with people who you know will support you and encourage you rather than kind of bring you into their fair place if you like I feel like you're saying exactly what's in my head and you're <laughs> forming it into such nice sentences I'm loving it honestly um exactly what I said to to another client and and generally what I say to people is like um when they try to since we're on the topic of money when they try to crawl crowdsource their prices for example and mm-hmm. ask friends family who have no idea whatsoever about what the reality of ELT, what the reality of business is. And they say, oh, that's a bit, mm." but are you, is that person your ideal client? Is that person a potential student? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Okay. So why would you ask them? They exactly what you said. They have their money blocks. Mm -hmm. So it's never going to work. No, absolutely. And again, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, have your costs gone up? Mm. You know, that's it's just so not the point. And I think this is something that, you know, I'm sure you find the same with your clients. But with my clients, they they can be quite stuck on this. You know, there's only so much I can charge for for an hour of my time. Mm -hmm. And it's getting people to see that 
it's not about that hour of your time. It's about what result can you get for those people? And if you can get them promoted, for example, they're going to make thousands over the years because yeah. of what you've done. You know, so we have to kind of see that differently. But also we have to help our clients to see that differently and to really understand the value that we're bringing to them you know but without blowing our own trumpets I think our work is extremely important because literally I come across people who want to work with me for example and they tell me oh but it's a bit too I literally had that conversation with someone but you charge your 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 hourly fee is too much for me because I make that much but if you look at it in that way, yes, mm-hmm. that's a lot compared to, but I'm not giving you an hour of my time. I'm giving you a certain transformation, right? Mm-hmm. I'm giving you a strategy to implement, to do something and then achieve greater things, right? That's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. We no, don't. absolutely. And I'm, you know, I, I invest myself in coaching and I know that I get a great return from that because I know when I work yes. with somebody really good, you know, it's a it's a bit of an ouch because I'm tell you I'm paying them a lot more than people are paying me, right? But I know that it's worth it. Same know? story, same story, <laughs> and I and I don't care. I actually find it empowering in mm-hmm. myself because it shows me, wow, if my coach coaches um, charges that much, then I'm going to be at that level as well, which is extremely mm-hmm. motivating. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, going back to self-care, it is a form of self-care and investing in yourself, you know, in this case, money. But it's the same thing. It's about knowing, you know, that you are worth investing that time, that money and, you know, what you can then do. Mm -hmm. No, not just for yourself and your family, but, you know, for the world. I know that does sound a little bit grandiose, but, you know, I do think that the kind of work that you and I are doing can change what's happening within ELT you know it's a trickle down effect isn't it absolutely absolutely I mean the change I see in myself and the way I think about certain things literally five years from comparing five years ago and now mm. it's, it's a massive mindset shift it's, it's a change of everything literally when I used to think that the biggest achievement in ELT would be for me to become a director of studies in a language school where, and then I found out how much a director of studies, even in London made. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I was like, really? And how many hours they work. Exactly. How many hours they work and how much stress it is because Mm -hmm. there's like people, you know, calling in sick and then you have to find cover. And then it's, it's so stressful. And then British council inspections and all sorts of things. This is not worth it. Honestly, it's not worth, your health it's not worth the money that people are being paid Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not even great money and especially in ELT and then when I always heard the argument but you know it's just this industry no sorry bullshit (laughs) Uh, we cannot use that argument because it shouldn't be like that English is such a basic thing isn't it Mm -hmm. yes totally Um, essential for so many people exactly Mm. So it's not like a like a luxury that people mm. um, just, you know, oh, oh, my God, so passionate about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that, you know, oh, it's just this industry. I think that's exactly what we need to question. And when I, you know, I mean, I, I've I haven't added up, you know, how many clients recently, but, you know, there's tens of, 
of clients of mine who now think differently, who are going out there and talking to other people. And, you know, I, I really see that kind of impact and it's important. The ripple effect. You know. I love it. Mm. I love it. I love mm. it. Honestly, it's so important. The impact. And actually talking about impact, you mentioned it. People, and even however, you know, it sounds. Um, when I asked on Instagram, I did a little poll and asked people, why did they actually um, start freelancing or, or doing their own business? And they said two reasons, two main reasons were to have freedom and to have an impact on the world. Mm. And I was like, this is impressive. And that's mm. that's what people actually want, right? Mm. So they should do it in a meaningful way as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it's really exciting, I think, when mm. you see people kind of, you know, I mean, I my group on Facebook, you know, it's called light bulb moments, but I, I love that phrase because it is that moment where people go, oh there are all these possibilities and I didn't realize I could do all of these things you know it's really liberating and and empowering for people I think I know I know great so I was going to ask you as well because you mentioned burnout especially at the beginning Mm. of your career and this is something that you work um, through with your clients and people who come to you so do you think this um, idea of for example undercharging this could contribute to burnout in any way oh I mean I think absolutely um you know because obviously if if you're you know if you're overworking and you're overwhelmed and you're approaching burnout which is the point at which basically your mind and body just go enough I can't do anymore um then you you know you do need to do things like um meditation and going for walks and exercise and you know, all of that kind of thing. However, that's this, that's kind of, I don't know, I mean, a sticking plaster is not quite right, but it's not the cause of it. This yeah. is the problem. Um, you know, so you can do all of those things and that will enable you to function a bit longer. But if you don't deal with the root cause, which is about not valuing yourself ultimately, so if you're not paid enough, then you're going to have to work a lot more hours in order to get enough money yeah. Um, and you're going to, you know, if you say yes all the time to things and you don't have those firm boundaries, then you're going to be working evenings and weekends, you know. So you have to you have to get to the, the core issues, I think. I totally um, agree. Mm. You know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think we're in agreement. We are. <laughs> this conversation is like I, I'm I'm glad people are listening to it. It's not just because we have the same opinions about everything in that matter. I love it. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. And people um because people associate burnout with just working too hard, but there is there is a reason why you're working so hard, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's also for me, it's also connected with that sort of feeling of resentment towards Mm -hmm. your work, which is so sad because so many educators, so many teachers, people go into AELT. I guess maybe at the beginning, they just, it's a little bit of an experiment. I know so many CELTA trainees who just want to, Mm. I want to see how it feels, right? I want to see, I want to travel and whatever, but then they stay and it actually becomes serious and they actually become passionate and Mm. then they are underpaid and then they are still in that crap ELT world because that's the mm. general label um and they and they really go down that um sort of slide of whatever burnout and misery isn't it right 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right about the resentment. And I mean, there's a lot of research which shows that a key factor of burnout and stress come to that, you know, which is the the staging post is um, feeling a lack of autonomy and a lack of control. Mm. And, you know, I think that is absolutely spot on, because when you get into that sort of pit of, well, this is just how it is. And I have to take on this extra job because we need the money. And, you know, you can't step back enough to kind of think, okay, you know, what, how could I do this differently? Is there a better way for me to use my skills? Because you're just so in it, you know, you're so busy, you're so tired, you're, you know, you just can't think straight, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think it, it's really important um, that people realise that, um, you know, there is a way out of that tunnel, if you like, and mm. that there are other options. Mm, definitely. Absolutely. So do you believe that there is um, more in general, but but specifically in our, I guess, specifically in our industry, is there anything like, is there such a thing as work-life balance? Can you achieve that? Or would you, uh, like, yeah, what's your opinion on that? So I don't really like the term work-life balance because I, you know, that sort of you've got work and that's not actually part of your life. Well, you know, obviously it is, but I know it's a, it's a sort of shorthand, isn't it? I mean, certainly I think you can have more balance in general. Um, I quite often talk about um, Paul Gilbert, who wrote The Compassionate Mind, um, talks about the three systems that we have. And I mean, this isn't a metaphor, this is reality. You know, so we have our drive system, which is all about sort of motivation and ambition and is connected with dopamine. We mm. have our threat system, which is, you know, adrenaline, cortisol, and is kind of about, oh, I've got to do this because if I don't, you know, I won't bring in the money or whatever, um, or people will criticize me. And then we have our soothing system, um, which is sort of oxytocin, endorphins, and, you know, relaxing with our family kind of thing. Mm. And all of those need to be in balance. And I think sometimes you find people who say, oh, but I thrive on stress, you know, and what they probably mean is that their drive system is kind of out of balance. And, Mm. you know, for a while, they'll feel good because they're getting all the dopamine. But they're still kind of, it's like, you know, driving a car down the motorway with the handbrake on. You know, you might be able to do it for a while, but if you don't, you know, use that soothing system, you will burn out. Yeah, that's such an interesting, I've never heard of that theory. So thanks for sharing. Definitely. Mm, I've never thought about it this way, because definitely it's such a work-life balance, such a buzz phrase, isn't Mm. it? People, there was even this TED talk about it, mm. um, which I actually found quite enlightening. I can't remember the the uh, the person who did it, but remember doing a lesson on it. Mm. Um, and I remember uh, the core message there was that <laughs> um, the, the guy who did the talk, he gave an idea of his perfectly balanced day. It included sex six times a day. Which, <laughs> He was basically trying, what he was trying, the point he was trying to make is that it's impossible to have perfect days. Mm-hmm. But then he had this um, idea, exactly, it's it's a little bit connected that uh, work shouldn't be 
a separate thing. Mm -hmm. It should be the little things that you do every day that actually make you happy, that actually make you smile. It's not like a lot of people, um, and I think it's much easier as a freelancer to go into that hole Mm. of working like crazy, like not even having working hours throughout the week. Mm. Because you don't go to the office, right? Yeah. And then only at the weekend, maybe partying like crazy or just doing nothing, being completely lazy. That's not balance, is it? Yeah, no, it's not. And it is often, you know, that working like crazy is often the threat system in action because we're doing because we're frightened. You know, if I don't do this work, perhaps I won't get any more, you know, all of this kind of thing. So, yeah, we have to, we have mm. to kind of bear that in mind, I think. That's interesting. It, it it kind of sounds like, oh, a little bit like people pleasing. So if I don't deliver here, there mm. is this, we don't even know where that threat comes from, because mm. especially as freelancers, there is no one above us. Right. <laughs> it's like it's people's expectations. It's our expectations. Mm. isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's our expectations and, and what we are projecting onto other people. Mm. Oh, they will you know, they will think this about me. They will think that about me. Well, they're probably not thinking about you at all. No, exactly. Exactly. That's that's one of the lessons I learned this year that people probably don't have any opinions about Mm -hmm. whatever you do. So you can only do your best, be yourself, feel good about it. And and like, absolutely. Um, I remember this. I had my own light bulb moment in in this business, in this type of work when um, a lot of um, a lot of um, people think because I work also I work with teachers so they kind of see each other as competition because Mm. you know theoretically they're all trying to find students but once you actually understand that nobody is nobody's competition because we're such a different people honestly absolutely um so at first when I was um like discovering people who did the same type or similar type of work to mine like yourself or other people that mm-hmm. I met on Instagram it, it 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 kind of it triggered some sort of a ooh, response in me in like mm-hmm. oh now I have to either copy what they do or I have to be like oh I have to be like a rebel and do something completely different so I prove that I'm better but it's so not about that. It's so much more about, and that's the approach I started, that collaboration, being um, like like totally respecting each other and just seeing that we genuinely do attract different people, completely mm. different people, right? Mm, absolutely. Point, mm, and also the point I'm trying to make here is that that constant fear of uh, and comparisonitis right mm-hmm. is another contributing factor to um to the fact that people are stressed in business isn't it mm. yes absolutely and you know I often have clients sort of say to me oh but somebody else is doing this and it's kind of like uh-huh you know like, and how many potential <laughs> clients do you think there are <laughs> and how many do you think you can handle you know and it isn't exactly the same anyway as you say because even if absolutely everything in you know even if they're offering exactly the same mode of delivery or it still isn't the same because they're different people and so they will appeal to different people 
Yeah, just like we have different teachers. I worked in a school with 17 different teachers. Every teacher was different. None of the lessons were ever the same. Mm. Uh, and people always have their favorites. People always feel drawn naturally to people that they can relate to, people that they have something in common to. Mm -hmm. Literally just did a webinar on how people could can um, like strengthen relationships with their communities. And it's always going to come down to the fact that you, you will have something in common with those people. They will mm -hmm. find something very appealing in you. Mm -hmm. um, and the sooner it happens, the better, I guess, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. All right. So do you have, uh, I found that very, very helpful, the thing that you said. Could you tell us the author of that book that you mentioned? Yes, it's Paul Gilbert, and it's called The Compassionate Mind. Mind. Okay, I'm going to have to remember that. Um so do you have any other tips for people on how to have that balanced free life, however stupid it sounds with, with balance? Mm -hmm. Anything that we can do in our everyday freelance or business life? Well, I mean, I think, you know, as I mentioned, I think often the problem is that we're so kind of down the rabbit hole scrabbling away that we don't even really realize how unbalanced things are. And so that's why, you know, I talk a lot about mindfulness um, in my coaching. And that's why, because mindfulness really is about being aware of what's actually happening rather than being like sort of on automatic pilot. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, one tip, you know, that I could I could give you is um, that I often get sort of clients to do is to set like an, uh, an alarm maybe every hour and just check in with yourself you know, at that point, how am I feeling? So sometimes, you know, you can do this like traffic lights, you know, so if you're green, great, carry on. You know, if you're orange, maybe that means you're starting to feel a bit hungry, or you need to move, or you, you know, just need a bit of a, a break. Um, do that then. And hopefully, then you never get to the red, you know, which is, I'm feeling horrendous and my shoulders are up around by my ears or whatever. Mm, that's a really good one. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm pretty sure it's such simple things as well, usually, because mm. it's such a simple thing that mm, oh, totally. anybody can do mm. um, that we never think of. So mm. thank you so much. That's really good. Um, <clears throat> so this has been a lovely chat. I feel like people have, so much food for thought from this than they should thinking about <laughs> your own worth but thinking about all burnout thinking about balance in life um these are such important things that we generally tend to forget about because also don't know if you agree with me but the idea of success nowadays is such a is such a sad vision isn't it a lot mm -hmm. of people associate it with just you know money or mm. having lots of clients mm. well it's so much more than that or so much so many other things well mon you know money is is um I don't know you know in itself money doesn't mean anything no you know so I mean money is important but not for its own sake money is important because it can buy you freedom mm. which is essentially what we all want I mean that's why people go freelance in the first place as you said exactly precisely so food for thought for you guys. Um, thank you so much, Rachel, for this chat. It's been absolutely lovely. I knew it was going to be. I've got so many little bites that I can now fish out from here for like my cover of this episode. It's going to be a big, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> no, so, well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, as always, thank you for your support. You can subscribe to, to this um, podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss another episode. And otherwise, I'll see you or hear you or be in your ears next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Being a teacher is your superpower. You know how to do it. But developing a business mindset and business skills can be tricky. So if you're a bit lost or maybe fed up with figuring it all out on your own, don't worry. I've created this podcast and other free resources to help you. Follow me on Instagram for a daily dose of education, energy, motivation and fun. If you're interested in working with me, please get in touch and I'll be very happy to tell you about ways of working with me. Don't be a stranger. Say hello from time to time on social media. I love getting to know you better. You're my ELT tribe. And for now, bye and until next time.